Welcome to Impacting Jamaica, where we shine the spotlight on the many but often ignored positive happenings, activities, projects and investments at every level across every sector to inspire, motivate and excite people everywhere. Impacting Jamaica is powered by the Philip and Christine Gore Family Foundation, the Jamaica Public Service Company, Manpower and Maintenance Services Limited, Red Stripe, Kyramed and Proven Investments Limited. Welcome to Impacting Jamaica. I am Tamika Gordon, and I'm speaking today with Mrs. Ingrid Murray, a Jamaican businesswoman based in New York. Her company, Prospect Cleaning Service, has been ranked at 1001 by the Inc. 5000 magazine for 2022. This is a tremendous accomplishment for a minority-owned business. Mrs. Murray's company was also voted New York's best woman-owned business for 2021. Today, she's sharing the story of how she came to these accomplishments, as well as imparting some gems for our budding, budding entrepreneurs, especially female-headed enterprises. Thank you, Mrs. Murray, for joining us. You are welcome. Hi, everybody. I'm Ingrid. Uh, we we are you know so we are glad that you could have um, found the time to to speak with us today. So we actually want to start by talking a little bit about your background. You know, tell us where you're from, where in Jamaica did you grow up, and what was life like for you as a child? Okay, I was born in Whitfield Town, in Kingston Thirteen. I don't remember anything about that time but we I remember um we moved to from Waterloo from South Avenue I remember living in South Avenue and I used to attend Jamaica House Basic School and um that school experience was wonderful I get to meet the Prime Minister at the time and I got to fly in a helicopter for the first time I think when I was around five something like that um yeah but anyway I moved to Duhaney Park in 1982 I think it was and um most of my you know time was in Duhaney Park and um going to church at the Andrews Memorial Church and my father worked there my mom worked there and so I used to also attend Kingsway High School because we were I was raised Seventh-day Adventist and um of course we went to church every Saturday and I went to this school and her like it at all <laughs> but anyway yeah for the most part and um growing up in Jamaica it was fun Growing up in the Haney Park, that was so much fun. We had, had so many wonderful experiences. I was part of the Police Youth Club, Patrick Gardens Police Youth Club, and uh, did so many amazing things there. I also went to Jamaica um, to George Headley Primary School. So from Jamaica was basic school. We moved and then we went to the Haney Park and I went to George Headley Primary. And from George Edley Primary, I went to Kingsway High School. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Did you always think that you wanted to be a business owner? As a child growing up, is that something you were thinking? 
No, as a child growing up, I wanted to be an economist. <laughs> Interesting. And, yes. I always wanted to be an economist. That's what I said. And when I got pregnant with my first child, I was 19, going um graduated from high school the previous year. And um and I got a job in an accounting firm at that time. Um, so that's where my accounting um journey started. So yeah, that's where my accounting journey started. But I did many, many jobs before that. It's it's kind of weird that you asked me that question. So my mom was a dressmaker, my dad was an upholsterer. So entrepreneurs have always been in my family. Um that aspect, I, I, I guess you never see it that way. Mm -hmm. You know, in Jamaica, we don't use that term. <laughs> we say, we say, um, business owner, we say, hustler, mm -hmm. <laughs> or something to that effect. Well, we, we don't, so we don't polish it up so nice and say, entrepreneur, you know. So, my mom used to make suck suck in the summertime, and we used to sell suck suck. She used to sell ice cream. And when my mom came to America in 1991, I continued on. I used to do gift basket. Like this time of the year, I've been doing my Valentine's gift, gift basket, getting ready to sell for Valentine's Day. And I would prepare these things and so on and so forth. But um, I was always doing something, always. So I, I went to Excelsior Community College. And I did my associates in business administration. But while going there, I didn't go there for that, which is weird. I was watching television and I saw this guy who did nails. I think his name was Kirk. If I'm not mistaken, I don't remember his name so good. If I'm not mistaken, it's Kirk. And he he taught nail technology at Excelsior Community College. And I went there so I could learn how to do that. Because I used to always love nails and hair and stuff like that. So I went there. And lo and behold, I found this big school. And they did so many other things. And I got intrigued. And I decided that I wanted to do a degree in business. And I would go to Kirk. In the daytime, I would do um, business administration, my associates in that, and I would stay, and then he had night classes, and I would stay until 9 o'clock, school over. So I'm at school from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day for about six weeks or something like that. How did you and manage that? What was like, what, how was that balancing act? Lord of mercy, that was so hard because I had a child at the time. So I would, when I go away, I don't go home back until nine o'clock. But what happened, the plan behind that was that I could not afford to pay for my college. So what I decided to do was to learn the nail technology. And then I was going to start a nail, a nail business and do that in the day, in switch it around. So I would do the nail tech. And then that would give me the money to fund the 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 the, the degree in um, business administration. So I went to him and I asked him, I said, you can't just show me how to put on the acrylic on him. He said, no, you have to come if you want me to show you, you have to be there. 
you have to come to the program. So what I did now, I stand up and I watch him. When I get break time from um the other school, I would go over there and I watch him working and take notes and, you know, watch him. And then that same weekend, I went to Sassy's and at, at least it was Clock Tower. They were, if it's not Clock Tower, is um York Plaza. And I, and I bought this stuff and then I practice, practice, try and try and try. And then, so I would put on the nails and take them off, put them on and take them off, put them on, take them off, shape my nail and all of that till I got it to perfection. I do this every single day for a week. And the next week I went to Allied Cable Vision with my, um, with my mock-up and tell them that I want to advertise a business. And I asked somebody for the money and they gave me the money to pay for the advertisement. Mm -hmm. And I did an advertisement that there's a nail technician <laughs> at Q building in Dane Park, which is just one week me check and learn the, the steps. So I don't really have a nail technician's license or any formal certificate, but the practical sense is there. Mind you, I am just using this cheat sheet while I go to school. So I'm still going to learn the whole process of nail technology and all of that, which I did. But I kind of put the horse before the, the cart before the horse and advertised my business. And crazily enough, it worked. I had many clients and I was able to pay both my nail technician tuition and my tuition for um the business administration degree. So it seems you've always been very focused and very driven. Yes. Is there anything from your childhood that you would accredit this to? Church. How so? So when I go into Andrew's church, you have a lot of affluent people. And we would say back then, society people. And uh, every year I would hear them call up um, names of people from the church who were going away to college. So people got accepted into school overseas and they would migrate or come, come to America to go to school. Mm -hmm. And family were, were always so proud, you know? You hear this and, you know, this name's called because this person graduated from school and they're going to go away to college. And my parents never asked me which college me want for God and they never asked me questions like that. I remember my father asked me what I want to do when I grow up. But that was basically it. There was never no plan. Like, okay, you're going to go to school and you're going to do this and working towards this, that, and the third. And I would not consider myself to be a very bright child. I wasn't. And um, I never had nobody to help me with homework or stuff like that. When you hear about reading a book, it was always a form of punishment. You do something wrong, your mother said, go and go read a book. You know, so it wasn't something that you did with any form of joy. But I've always been a child that wanted to be bigger than life. I think that was it. And um, so, you know, you want to have these experiences. You see these society kids have. And and stuff like that, yeah. And and those those that experience of hearing the names of people being called out, other students being called out who were going abroad, motivated you 
yeah on that mm -hmm. path to achieving that okay yeah. let's jump into now how you got into the line of business that you are presently in and the accomplishments of your company did you set out to start a business in this industry or did you stumble upon an opportunity how did it come to be i stumbled upon an opportunity so i call myself the fixer <laughs> because i always fixed something for somebody so whether it be a situation or something practical. But anyway, I came to America in 2008 to find my daughter who was kidnapped for me in 2000. And um, I found her. And that's another story that can't be. I trust me, you, you guys don't have the title. That's number one and number two. <laughs> it is a real technical story. But anyway, she was kidnapped from me and I found her in 2008. So I came to America to get her back. And um, when I came, you know, I would go back and forth after, after I got her back and everything, um, coming back and forth in America. Um, 2009, on my next visit here, I was supposed to get a job and I didn't get the job. Somebody told me about a job in Florida. And then when I went to Florida, no job. So anyway, I went back to Philly where my mom lived. Instead of coming back home to Jamaica, I went to Philly. And a friend of mine um, told me that she had something for me in New York. So I said, New York, but where are you going to stay? She said, you can't stay with me, man. So I said, yeah, sure. And she said, yes. Anyway, she got a job for me in a, in a bar. And um, when I was going to work that day, she told me, she said, oh, I'm a landlord, go to the bar, you know. I'm always, I'm telling me, I must make sure I say, I'm tip you, I met the guys and let the guys them tip you too. So I said, okay. When I was leaving to go to work, I'm, this man was coming inside the building. And he was smiling at everything. He said, where y'all go? Oh, so yeah. this is how you met your husband. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it, it got that. to the point where you, you actually took over the business from him. Yeah. So right. I took over. So, you know, I met him that day. Everything was such a whirlwind. Um, and I spent a month, um, a, a month with him and came back home to Jamaica. And then the following year, I went back in March of 2010 and he asked me to stay. And I was like, oh God, you know, but anyway, we got to, we got involved. I, I did stay. Um, we got married shortly after to, to, and I was able to apply for my green card, send for my kids and all of that. Everything happened within a six months period. It's crazily. It, it does happen like that. He so had, a, he had a, he had a business before. Yeah. What was that so business that he had? And he tell did. me now how you got to be taking it over and how you came to be at the helm of that business. So he had a car, he did carpet cleaning and, and house cleaning. He had a, little, a few commercial clients too. But one day we went to do, uh, to clean the house of a hoarder. And this person house was looking terrible. And after we pack up all this stuff and, you know, to get all this stuff. If you guys watch hoarders, on TV, trust me, people really do live like that. And after we did that, you know, I was so, I don't know, 
it, it really affected me. And I was like, no, man, I don't want to clean up the body house. We have to find out different ways. So I said, why you don't do commercial? And he must say, you can't just... I said, why you don't work with the government? And he said, you can't just work with the government. And secondly, the government takes long for pay. You have to wait how much months before you get your money and, and all of that. And so I tell him, say, no, man, you can't do it. Um, I said, better say if I had this business, I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't be doing this. I would turn it a different way. And we made a bet that if he gave me the business, I would grow the business within a year. And if after a year and I grow the business, that he couldn't get any of the money of the of the extra money. Mm -hmm. that way. And him take up the challenge, but I never keep. I didn't know. Uh, you didn't keep that part of the bargain. No, with the business, but you still gave him some of the money. Of course, you know, we were together, and it is his business. And then in two thousand and twelve, he got cancer. Um, this was the first time he was going battle with cancer, and of course, he was a little bit out of it. He wasn't interested in doing this anymore. And he, that's when he officially like signed it over to me. So unofficially, it wasn't recorded. So at this point in time, he made a decision to actually, you know, do it. I was doing good within the first year. I doubled the revenue. At the time, it was seventy-seven thousand. And next year, I was making close to one hundred and fifty something thousand a year. Um, then. One year, we um got a call. They wanted a MWBE to do some bus stops. What but is that? I, so it's minority and woman-owned business enterprise. Okay. So you needed to be certified in that. Um, had a state certification or a city certification, or a New York state, New York, New Jersey. Port Authority certification in it. So you could have got certified from any one of those entities. And I decided, so I was not qualified. So the lady told me about it and I said, tell me more about it. And she, she did. And I went to for the application. Now, most people went for this application. It took them, the application process would take them close between six months to a year for everybody that I heard that did this application process and to get the certification took that long. But um, what I did, I stayed home, read through all the documents that they wanted. Now we had a company, but we didn't have any board of directors. You didn't have any corporate secretary. You didn't have any company bylaws you didn't have all that so you incorporated the business but yet you didn't have all these um you know titles filled or even have it in the play you just had the name created a website and, and you have your bank account and you go and work so now this pushed us to actually structure the business properly so what i did initially that year i used um, family members that were over 18 and put their name down. So I would say his daughter, he had um three, three older, four older children. So I put their name as the corporate secretary. I put myself as the chairman because I realized I could be the chairman and the president because those are the two people who would still control the majority of the 
the business and can make decisions on the business. I put my daughter as a corporate secretary and stuff like that. And, you know, treasurer. But none of these people knew how to actually do to fill these roles. Yes, they, they didn't know. But I what I did was that. So then by then I was attending the college in the States, uh, Medgar Evers College, because when you come here, you realize that you a lot of people come to America with their degree and stuff like that. And trust me, it's like you don't have nothing. You still have to start from scratch. We, you know, so because I actually did not have a bachelor's degree from Jamaica, I did have my associates, but I didn't have a bachelor's. So I went to, I took the credits and I went to Medgar Evers College and, and I obtained my bachelor's degree. So my accounting professor, I actually hired him, not hired, I asked him if he would fill the capacity of, of, of an of an advisor. So I had a board of advisor, but I did not have a board of director. We're taking a break now to hear from our sponsors. Searching for a one-stop solution to all your facilities maintenance needs? Visit Manpower Maintenance Services Sales and Distribution Center. We stock a wide range of COVID-19 washroom, cleaning and other supplies, gardening tools, chemicals and more. Our experts are always ready to give you the best advice. Manpower Maintenance Services Sales and Distribution Center, 14 Collins Green Avenue, Kingston, Freeport Commercial Center, Montego Bay and 33 Ward Avenue, Mandeville. Visit or call us today, 876-920-47215. Grace has been part of some special moments over the years, helping to make them, well, more memorable, even when they're a little bit unexpected. And with 100 years of great taste behind us, you can be sure we'll be making even more moments for 100 years to come. Grace, taste that moves you. John John, Manoya in there. Moana when lights are come back. I know Pinky this time. Akisha. Akisha, just like me tell Pinky. Give GPS your number and then we'll send your text with them things here. So you can't stop, knock my door. What you mean? DM or call JPS and tell them to add your phone number to your account and you will know everything all the time. You're not for ask. Send your current contact information and always be in the know. Visit jpsco.com for more info. Welcome back to our podcast. So you had so, to fill all of these positions and structure the business in such a way so that you would be qualified to pick up the contracts right. that you were being invited to right. take up. So exactly. you were able to get all of that in place. Um, but how did it make you feel? Were you daunted at the task of taking over the business? And if so, how did you manage to overcome all of that? Just the thought of moving his business or moving his business. Because I remember you said you had a challenge with him, you know, you made a bit. But were you at all, you know, afraid or nervous about it? And how did you navigate those early years? No, because I love to compete. So I have to prove that I can do this. So I was I was welcoming the challenge to be honest with you, because it felt good. Number one, it felt good to say you own a business. So that was one thing. Number two is actually when come putting these roles together, it made it sound official and it sound bigger than it really is, if you get what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. 
And you realize, oh, okay, this can, and I, what I did, I went to meet people that could help me. So I would go online, do my research, find mentorship programs, realize that the state offered some. Um, they didn't like the ones that the state offer at the time because they weren't, to me, they weren't structured properly. And the people who were teaching your stuff were other business owners who actually failed at many things, which is the right way to go. But I didn't like, oh, they weren't, um, when I say practice what they're preaching, they're telling you one thing, but they're not doing that. So you, you didn't have the trust. For me, I didn't have the trust in them. And then things were lagging behind because I'm the kind of person, I don't have patience. If I say I'm going to do something, I want to do it. No, I, I cannot wait. If you're going to tell me to for wait, then may I have a problem. So, so you weren't daunted and you weren't nervous at the challenge. You saw it as, no. a, you, you saw I, it as your way of um, competing and, and showing everybody that you could do that. Yeah. What are some of the traits that you think that female business owners need to have in order to break through glass ceilings? Um, some of them is knowing your capabilities, um, accepting that you can do it and don't be, people going to tell you no, don't accept the no, mind you, no is good. And I have seen where no's have opened a lot of doors. However, I think that you must have that drive. You must find your why. The reason why I want to do this is. And you don't just stop there. If you see that, because in America, there is gender bias. There is so many kind of bias here. I think it's 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 home as well. But I, I, I didn't see us, I guess because I never had to deal with it back home. But here, it was so obvious. Like, people put this That's thing. one of my other questions I wanted to ask you. How do you compare? Because you held a number of roles before you went to America. How do you compare being a business operator in Jamaica to being a business operator in the States? Are there any parallels or any lessons that you could um, impart? Well, uh, um, the same thing. You're going to, people are going to look down on you or whether you're able to do this or not. And they tend to cast that shadow of doubt on you because they don't know you, but you know you. So you, you don't, you, you don't let them put you in this box and put you in a corner to say, this is what you're supposed to do. I was the only female driver Nagahead. Um, going to Endshire in 2010. So no, that, was 2010. Your, that was when you left one of the roles that you had and yeah. decided that you had to do run some taxi in the meantime yeah. to just pay some bills. Right. Because I was the junior accountant at, um, I was the account, the group accountant for UGI and responsible for 37 of Neverblight subsidiaries and I was I when I just applied for the job, I told him that I was about to go on my vacation and they asked me to start right away. And I said, okay, but when June come, um, between June 7th and whatever, it was going to be the first time my mom was returning back 
returning to Jamaica since she left in 1991. So it was 17 years later that she's going to come back. So I told him that I needed the time off to be with her. Unfortunately, before that time, I, I fell off my stairs and fractured my foot. And I had to take a week off. So when the time come from my mom now, he was like, no, I already gave you a week off to deal with your injury. So I can't give you the additional time. For me, I was not going to settle. And I decided that- You just ended up leaving the job. I just leave my job. Trust me, it, <laughs> it don't make a sense. But I just left my job because I had to- be able to spend time with my mother because I didn't see her for so long and a lot of things happened in my life where she wasn't there and I just knew that I wanted to spend that time with her. But then you realized that you had some bills that you needed to pay. Right. So after she delayed, gone home now, she come for her two weeks vacation and she gone her yard. What now? And my daughter was attending Lanaman's prep at the time. So may have tuition for school fee for P and all of them something there. the car I just bought the car literally just bought the car like the 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 month before I left the job so one one month payment I pay on the car and and leave the job so now I'm going to pay for the car so one day the weirdest thing is that every morning when I was going to work I would never leave Hellshire Park because now at this point, I'm now living in Hellshire. And I would never leave Hellshire and go to Tree with my car empty. Never, not even one time. Every morning, my car full of people, let them off of Tree or if people go in New Kingston, somewhere there. But, and so I said, no, I can't run that taxi. Well, when I go there that first day to run my taxi, nobody don't want to go into my car. <laughs> Because it was free before, but now they had to pay. Was that why? No, they want to pay. But at the stage of driving, nobody no look at me you now as a as a as a taxi driver. You know, I got my PPP, got my red plate and all of them something there. Cause you know, it was say, yeah, turn your car in a taxi. I say, yeah, you look easy, just a car and this is not the best car. It was a Nissan Sunny. So let's talk a little bit now though about the the accomplishment of the ranking by the Inc. 5000 magazine and what this has meant for your company. What has it really allowed you to do? And what has it meant, you know? How does how is it having gotten this um accreditation or this uh, sorry um recognition? Well, this is super big because there are so many businesses that are open each year in America. Every day somebody starts a new business. And getting this ranking is not something that I had set out to, to do. I, I This wasn't a goal that I was aspiring to. Um, I saw the application and I'm like, okay, over the oh, since I've had this business from 2011, all the way up, like, Every year is growth. The growth has been constant, constant growth. I've never been. Has in the accomplishment of the um the ranking allowed you to grow financially or expand? Um, what has it really meant in terms of operationally for you? Operationally, yes, because now you get into a dif a different um stratosphere. If 
you're going to find bigger companies that are not going to question your capability to provide them with service because if you're able to grow your business that well, the you are able to take on the challenge of servicing their their needs. And everybody know when I when I start a new contract, there's a lot of things involved. I have to purchase equipment, I have to staff it, and that means Monica, you're not going to get paid until 30 days later or maybe 60 days later, you know, because for most corporate offices, what's gonna happen, you can't you can't get paid before you do the work because I provide a service. So what's going to happen is I go provide the service. You send out a bill at the ending of the month, maybe the first of the following month. And then you're going to wait 30 days to get your money. So it's 60 days that you're gone, you know, while you had to pay your staff um, during that time, you probably had um, had four pay periods during those 60 days that you had to pay your team. Mm -hmm. So, they want to know that you're financially capable. You can afford to purchase insurance to protect their assets and all of those things. So it opens door, you know. Um, I personally you to reach a wider cross yes. section of clientele or a different exactly. level of clients. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. What are two lessons that you had to learn as a business operator that you would want to impart to young female? Um, entrepreneurs well in america one thing i can tell you credit is important so you, you you need to take that seriously having a good credit be able to pay your bills knowing how to budget knowing your numbers a lot of people go in business and don't, don't know how to calculate they can't tell you the, if the business is profitable or not everything i have to call my accountant and this is mainly women Mainly, a lot of women is, is in this world. I don't know how to do this. So everything they want to know, they have to call their accountant. Or you know if your accountant doing everything right. Or, or you know if, you, if your accountant is telling you the truth. So understanding, I believe that every female who's going into business need to understand that. You know, what's the difference between expenditure and income? And what is actual, what is actual profit? profit as opposed to revenue so your miss your, your sales might be a hundred dollars but that's not your profit that's that's the money that you bring in you understand but after your expenses now what is left is your profit are you owing people money or are you able to stay in the green and stuff like that so you need to have that another thing is um stay determined like i said find your why what is the reason that i want to do it I don't want to do it because my friend doing it or because this is what everybody doing. Find something that you like. And remember, anything can be turned into cash. Anything. Any idea you have, it can be monetized. It's just how you present it. What is your, your personal um, strategy, your personal success strategy? Is there something that you do or, an, or a trait that you think you have that you think you've applied to your business, you know, personally that, that you've seen that made a difference? I think my impatience um, has worked wonders for me, not necessarily wanting to wait all the time. I do have to wait, but I have to be forced to wait. If it's by choice, I'm not waiting. I'm doing this today. I'm doing this now. I'm going to try, even if it 
fails, I tried. I did it. And it never worked out. It not, it not bother me. You know, I've lost, I've lost money. When we talk about serious money, whole thousands and thousands of dollars. But listen, it doesn't faze me because I have gained so, so much knowledge and insight. And I know that, okay, this mistake I won't make again. And some things I would still do the same way. I just now have a better understanding that, okay, the timing, the timing might have been wrong. It wasn't the idea. It was just the time. So my patience have worked wonders for me as well as, yes, it has cost me some, but it won't change my perspective on doing acting when I'm ready. Right now, I started three new business in December, three. And these were ideas that came about. And the same day I had the idea, the same day I registered the company. The next day I made, I created the logo and all of that and started to sourcing um, material, raw material in order to, to, to manufacture and to, to, to bring this product. The following day, I had a, a space in my office that I decided I'm going to use my conference room. And I move out all the furniture on my conference room and put them on another side and make another side of my space smaller. I started, and this is a new store for me. So, I mean, doing that, just just being ready. The idea come, I'm not going to sit on it and let it fall by the wayside because I've learned that procrastination is actually the way to hell, and I think it's serious. If I wait, maybe somebody else going come and do it. So, like I tell you, I love to compete, and I compete a lot with me not anybody else because I'm I feel you know I have that confidence and and so on and it has worked for me over the years just you know quickly before we wrap up is there one thing that you think that Jamaica should do or could do to foster the growth of more entrepreneurs particularly yeah. females of course um find ways to offer people grants so that they can, you know, um, have startups, you know, you know, give people access, give people access to opportunities and um, people entrust yourself into, into, into learning new skills, you know, developing your, your, your mind and, and, and your physical attributes, you know, what you, you're able to contribute and use it in a positive way. Um, older folks, let us stop keeping the information to ourselves. Pass it on. We have a thing where we, you know, we stereotype the young people. I always say, Lord, them no want to learn nothing. Share it with them. Share them the things. You know, we used to back back in the day, I remember as a child, people used to tell stories. People stop telling stories now. Continue to tell stories because they 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 do make a difference and it's important. And young people, listen to the, the elders, you know. You, you you can take bits and pieces as they fit in because the time might change, but there are some, some things that remain constant. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Impact in Jamaica is powered by the Philip and Christine Gore Family Foundation, Manpower and Maintenance Services Limited, the Jamaica Public Service Company, Red Stripe, Kyramed, and Proven Investments Limited. If you or anyone you know is involved with projects and activities that excite, motivate and encourage, send us an email to impactingjamaica at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Do join us again for another in the series on Google Podcast, Audible, Spotify, Podcast Addict and Stitcher. You can also visit us at impactingjamaica.com.